Hey guys, welcome back to Flipside Fluent. I am Gabby. And I'm Georgia. And so we just wanted to jump in before we start today's episode and just kind of catch up with you guys. So yeah. how have you been this week, Gabby? Yeah, this week has been actually kind of a crazy one. I think that like we're just finishing um, uni for the year. So excited. Can't, can't believe wait. my first and your second year is over. I know. Um, but yeah, it's been like a pretty crazy week, actually. Like, yeah, we've been days. on campus a lot more. I mean, this yeah. whole year it's been like online and just as it's starting to end, I feel like everyone's going back and it's really nice. And I'm like, oh, now I really don't want this to end. But yeah. at least we're going to finish all those assignments and can really focus on the podcast and get some really great guests on. Exactly. Yeah. It's been kind of hard to juggle it all. I think yeah. we were like, oh, wow. I like, didn't realize how much work that would be. But we're so keen to get into it in the summer. Yeah. Um, and really put some effort in. I mean, today's yeah. guest is going to be great. I think it's a really interesting topic and something yeah. quite different that most people should really learn more about and I'm excited to learn more about it myself. Yeah, so our guest today is Mladen Jovanovic and basically he's got this startup called Bindi Maps. He's in the Forbes 30 under 30 for social entrepreneurship. So done a lot of cool things, but basically his startup, we'll get so much more into this later, but um, it's an awesome cause. So it's essentially like Google Maps, but for indoors. And um, I think at the beginning, the main focus was to help people who are blind or have visual impairments um, just like navigate indoor areas like shopping centers and things like that. But since um, they've expanded to help everyone. Yeah, they've got like a really awesome feature where if like when you park your car in a shopping center you can leave the location mm-hmm. and then like go and so when you need to go find your car again it's yeah. like that's where it like just small things like that. It's that just... was literally us yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> literally like if I had that like yeah. oh, that's it. amazing. Yeah. yeah. If you guys enjoy this app I'm just going to jump in now and say uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram, uh, like and subscribe on YouTube and if you could leave a review on Apple Podcast we'd love you forever. Yeah it really helps. Enjoy. Aladdin, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're so, so keen to get into this air. So much for having me. It's absolute pleasure. Well, good. So we've kind of um, discussed a little bit about Bindi Maps and um, what you guys do there. But for the listeners that, that don't know, do you mind kind of explaining what that is to us? Yeah, sure. So what Bindi Maps does is we provide an indoor navigation tool. Um, we started off by just servicing people who are blind or vision impaired. And now we've really made it a tool that's usable by anyone. So we're deployed across you know, shopping centres, universities, commercial office buildings, and many other places across Australia. I think we're in six states at the moment. And what really drives our company is our mission to allow everyone to navigate indoor spaces independently. It's really awesome how you noticed that gap because most people in their day-to-day lives, you only really notice the things that are impacting you. So to, to notice that gap in accessibility for people who are visually impaired is really awesome. And I was wondering what really drew you into that space? So I was, I was lucky. I was pulled into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't actually me who came up with the concept of Bindi Maps. It was uh, my co-founder. Uh, and my co-founder, Dr. Anna Wright. So she was actually a senior lecturer at UTS. And that's how we crossed paths. Um, and she was diagnosed with a rare eye disorder back in the early 2000s. And, and the doctors pretty much told her, Anna, you're going to go blind. It's a matter of time. Um, so, you know, that sort of hit home. She was like, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to go shopping? How am I going to look after my kids? All your standard stuff. And then Anna spent a few years thinking about that and just, you know, getting familiar with the accessibility standards and what's available. And she thought, you know, there are those braille signs on, on, on restrooms and there are braille signs everywhere inside buildings, but how the hell are you going to find that braille? Yeah. Like, how do you actually get to the braille to be able to read it? Right? <laughs> and, um, you know, technology caught up and, and luckily medicine caught up as well. So Anna is able to retain the eyesight she has left. Oh, she's not able to regain what she's lost, but she, she still has some. Mm-hmm. And um, she came up with the idea for, it was called Banjo Maps at the time. Um, and... Yeah, that, that's really what, what got me interested. When I met Anna, um, I had another startup um, and she was telling me about it. She was saying, you know, this is what I'm doing and this is the problem I'm solving. And I thought, is that really a problem? Like, well, I don't, it doesn't, like, I don't think about it, right? Just mm-hmm. as you said, you don't really think about those sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, yeah, that is actually a good point. How are they going to find the braille? So what I did was I spent a bit of time. I reached out to a lady um, that was in the Australian Financial Review. She published an article how universities weren't helping her. She was someone who's blind. And I reached out to her and um, I 
pretty much did like a 30 minute interview. I just asked her, you know, what are the problems you're facing? And if you had a magic wand and you can wave around and change one thing, what would it be? And her answer was people. I would change people. Um, Cause she moved from the country to the city uh, in Queensland to study and, and, you know, make friends and do all these sorts of things, but it wasn't that simple. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not a magician. I can't actually change people. You know, <laughs> if, it was, if it was something else, what would it be? And her answer was, if I could have tactile, tactiles everywhere, if the world was pretty much made of tactiles. And what tactiles are, I don't know if you've been to, you obviously have, you know, crossed the cross traffic lights or anything like that. And you've, you've noticed on the ground, there are those little bumpy things. Yeah. That's tactile markings. Okay. So they are there to let people, let cane users know that, you know, there's a road ahead. It's a crossing. Yeah. So she could have those everywhere just to guide her around. Mm-hmm. And then I explained the concept behind Banjo Maps. And she was like, if something like that existed, that would completely change my life. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I was like, okay, close down that company and jump on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I oh, sort of got beautiful. pulled into this space, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And how did you find that process of finding this idea and some, a tool that's really going to help people and actually developing it into something that will physically work? That was difficult. Um, <laughs> I came on board just as the tech... So they didn't really have uh, a working prototype. It was sort of like, okay, we know what sort of direction we're going to go in, um, but we haven't come up with something concrete. Mm. And that was because Anna went through um, an accelerator program. I'm not sure if you're familiar with She Starts. Yeah. Um, it's run by Blue Chili and he's for female founders. Um, so Anna went through that and that she had an awesome team. And one of, one of so the, the head of product that was dealing with Anna's startup, is actually, he actually ended up, quitting his job there and moving over as a founder at Bindi Maps. Wow. Um, so that was awesome. Um, and he's such a phenomenal guy, Tony Burrett. He's such a smart person. Um, and he was the one that actually led the tech. So in the early days, when I joined, we pretty much had nothing. And it was just Anna and I before Tony came over. And we were just trying to sell a dream. Mm. So we started meeting up with airports and all these other places. And, and like we're pitching this business that doesn't really exist, right? So it was a little <laughs> bit difficult. And then we were able to sell the dream just enough to be able to raise some money. Mm. Um, and when we did that, we got Tony on board and we hired our first iOS developer. Now with building the product, I'm not the, I'm not the brains behind the product um, at the company by any means. So from my view and from what was going on, it seemed like a very iterative process. So it was always, start small because I was always saying we need an analytics dashboard and we need these things and we need that and and Tony was always pulling it back but okay the core thing that we're solving is this and this is what we need to focus on which was really hard for me to grasp right I'm like but no one's going to buy it if we don't have all these things (laughs) which isn't true right so we kept on going back and it was always focusing on that core problem that you're solving so a lot of our work in the early days was figuring out how we can get the right level of accuracy like how do we get how do we find out where the person is down to about a meter of error? Mm. And that's a really tough cookie to crack, especially for indoor navigation. Um, so that was difficult. And a lot of the work that we did was on language. And we did a lot of research on how to effectively guide people through indoor spaces um, and actually allow them to get to where they're going, right? So if you think about it, if you closed your eyes and I told you walk straight for 50 meters and turn right, you're not going to end up where I'm telling you to go. <laughs> you're going to end up somewhere completely different. So it was also that process of how do we improve the current wayfinding standards and how do we come up with a new way of guiding people through indoor spaces? Mm. Yeah. Awesome. I'd be keen to know, like, throughout that journey, I mean, you said that there was, like, had to be a lot of reflection on, like, going more micro. Um, oh, sorry, focusing more on the macro and what had to be done to, like, really have a product. Um, what were the biggest challenges for you personally throughout that journey? Ooh, for me personally, so at the company, my domain is sales and operations. Um, so I did, a, I had, I had sales experience before coming into Bindi Maps. Um, we, uh, I worked for a security company in the past. I was their business development manager, but nothing at this level. Um, now I was thrown into speaking with chief executives of, you know, multinational companies and things like that. So for me, my, the, the toughest journey was figuring out how to sell. Um, that was one. And another one is 
so my uh, so my background, so I did go to university, but I, I didn't really do too well. I was never an academic. Um, I, I never liked spending too much time reading, learning, or anything like that. Um, I was always out doing things. So for me, it was a really tough transition um, going from not having such a high respect for content that's put out into the world for reading books for for all these other things and mm-hmm. making that transition from you know that having that sort of regard for for learning into all i do is pretty much learning like yeah. <laughs> got to the point it, it, it gets to the point now where anna she tells me um because i hate reading novels i don't read novels i think it's an absolute waste of time <laughs> <laughs> I would I would argue against that point. Yeah, so everyone, everyone says everyone says you're an idiot. You need to read an Different strokes. <laughs> but I hate it. I think like if I'm going to read a novel, I may as well watch the movie. Yeah. Um, you see, like get a visual, or go get a, like a kinesthetic <laughs> yeah, experience. I just, I just want it done. Yeah. So I only read like for example, I just finished reading the eighty twenty principle. Mm-hmm. Um, I only read. Um, non-fiction. Mm-hmm. I only read things that I can learn from and I carry a highlighter with me and I highlight all the important parts and I summarize the book afterwards. That's and awesome. Anna was telling me, she goes, in about five years time, no one's going to want to be a friend because you have nothing interesting to talk about. <laughs> 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 um, so that was, that was a tough transition for me going from like one end of the spectrum to the other yeah. and just really learning so much about sales that that's pretty much all I do you know yeah, it's just sales so that was that was really tough in the early days um, and you know going meeting after meeting and not getting anywhere mm-hmm. just because I wasn't clear on what I was doing I was just going in there fingers crossed I hope this person says this is awesome let's buy it yeah. um, and it doesn't work like that so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was what like what flipped the switch for in terms of like sales for you like what were the key things that you had to change to um, like make your strategy more effective um, there were three. <clears throat> there was three key things. Uh, one was confidence. Mm. So no matter how much you know intellectually, if you're not confident in what you're selling, <clears throat> you're not going to sell it. Mm. And the only way to build up that confidence is if someone's to buy a product, right? So it, it's sort of a chicken and the egg thing. So it was a long road <clears throat> getting that first sale. And then after that, they started building. Yeah. So that was one. <clears throat> Two was credibility. So if if you're a startup, if you've got nothing to you know nothing behind you, you may have a couple of awards, you know, a few articles. You don't really have much credibility, and I'm talking from a B two B SaaS sales perspective. Mm. So this, I, I don't have. I wouldn't say any, but I don't have very much experience in, in B2C sales. Yeah. So consumer sales isn't my domain, it's, it's B2B SaaS. Mm-hmm. Um, so dealing with large enterprises. And if, if, you don't, if you don't have credibility and if you can't convince them that your company is going to stay afloat for the next 12 months, first of all, um, your product is worth something and you know they, they should buy from you instead of you know Microsoft or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a very tough road ahead. And the third one was improvement of sales processes. And this was really, really crucial because when I didn't have clarity on my sales process, I didn't know, you know, lead in, meeting scheduled and, you know, needs discovered. And I didn't have that process to guide me down that straight line so I can move them from each category. I was exactly what I said before. I was going into meetings hoping something would happen. And if it gets to the point of them saying, yeah, you know, we're interested, I didn't really know what the next step was. I was just sitting there, I was like, okay, hey, you're interested, what, what now? Like, I go to, you know, that's great, how do we, how do we, like, what do we do? So that improvement in sales processes and really understanding sales um, really helps because sales is the most uneducated profession in the world. Like, the, there are no bachelor degree for sales, there's no bachelor's degree for sales, there's no... There's online courses and stuff, but there's no formal education path. It's just something you learn. And <clears throat> as a result, I think sales is very undervalued um, in, in the professional world. Yeah. Like a lot of people think sales is just something you do. Anyone can sell, which isn't true. 
That's not true. There's there's so many things behind sales and, and so many things you need to learn if you want to be somewhat okay. Um, so I think they they were the three turning points um, and there was so much I learned throughout the process, especially around sales. Yeah, yeah. That's <clears> awesome. <throat> it's really cool. Um, the journey of just kind of breaking down those barriers and just having to get out there and actually do stuff because I always like think that's the best way to grow yourself and what you're working on is just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and just having to take things head on um, yeah mm. from from that what has like bindi maps really achieved and what do you see like the biggest impact so far being hmm. it's a broad question i'm just <laughs> how, I can, how i can break it down um what has bindi maps achieved well okay um Product. So with the product, we've really done something that not many people have been able to do. Um, and when I say not many people, I'm even talking about large multinational companies like Microsoft. Um, because for the first couple of years, all we did was product development. We did not sell. And what really got us to this point was going back and focusing on the problem of allowing people who are blind or vision impaired to independently navigate. Because when you're talking about that, you're not talking about general wayfinding for the sighted community. Mm, yeah. That's a whole different, it's a whole different ballgame because with general wayfinding, I can just point you in the general direction and you will find your way there. You will see signs, you will see the stores, things like that. Whereas if you're guiding someone who is blind, they can't see. Yeah. And you need to be extremely accurate and you need to do it in such a way that nothing is missed, right? So you want to give them that exact journey that everyone who is sighted gets. You want to tell them all the cues, you know, where boost juice is in case they're thirsty and all these sorts of things, right? So in terms of product, we've achieved something great. We've developed a product that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. And we've added so many different features that complement so many different business types that even now when I look back at it over the past like three years, I'm like, holy crap, what a, what a job the tech team has done. Yeah. Um, I had maybe, I had little to no contribution there. So <laughs> <laughs> um, that was awesome. That was awesome. That's so, um, so that's product. Um, impact. We deployed across six states in Australia within nine months of launching. Um, we have had situations where this was actually at UTS. We had a lady walk to the front door of the engineering building, building 11, open the app, use the app. She was in, she's in her early thirties, I think. Use the app, make a way, you know, how in, in, in so building 11, um, you've definitely yeah, been, yeah. it's got the Harry Potter staircases. There's like yeah. 15 different staircases. Yeah. So she went from the front, she used the app, she went to the stairs, she found the right set of stairs, she went down the stairs, went to the cafe, I haven't been there in a while, I forgot what the cafe is called, the cafe on Penny Lane? Yeah. yeah. Penny Lane Cafe. Yeah. <laughs> she went there, she made her way to the counter and she was able to buy herself a cup wow. of coffee, completely unassisted yeah. by any other human, right? So this was for the very first time in her life and Anna was there and the lady started crying and then Anna started crying and then <laughs> they were just super stoked, right? So that, that life-changing event for that woman has been replicated many, many times across six states in Australia. Yeah. So when I think impact, that's what I think. I mean, we've impacted businesses and I'll chat about that next, but we've impacted so many different people in so many levels. But when I think about impact, and bindi maps in the same sentence that's what comes to mind that that one specific scenario and then just replicate it um so that's in terms of impact and then in terms of sales and and impact of business um our first big client was stockland uh, i'm not sure if you know stockland they're a large developer um and they're really focused on sustainability and accessibility and inclusion we did a proof of concept with them at Stocklands in Weatherall Park. 
And as much as it benefited our business, we were able to hold a big day out. So what we do there is, is we engage all the local advocacy groups in the community to come along for the day. We had guide dogs, Vision Australia. We had the Cerebral Palsy Alliance. We had so many different people there. And we were able to actually get press along and, and they documented the journey of these people coming in, putting down ones and twos. We did a survey. They put down ones and twos out of five on, on you know, confidence of navigating the center and willingness to return and all these sorts of things. Then we gave them gift vouchers. Stockland gave them, gave them gift vouchers and we gave them the app and we told them, you know, go loose on the center, come back in an hour. Mm. They came back in an hour, you know, super stoked. And they, wrote fours and five. We did the same survey after they used Bindi Maps and not, we did not get below a four out of five on you know, confidence and navigating and willingness to return. So what we did for Stockland is in direct proportion with what they did for us. I mean, we're not just benefiting the users, we're benefiting a lot of the companies. So that, that's really what allowed us to keep expanding throughout, throughout you know, their portfolio and many other companies. And just recently we installed at a hospital um, St. Vincent's Hospital and Seven News was there. So we had such like, like such an awesome Seven News story, which only aired last week, um, yeah. which was super stoked about as well. And uh, again, that, that did heaps for, for their reputation as well as ours because, you know, we're, we're both out there trying to solve the same problem and really restore independence to people who are blind or vision impaired. That's awesome. I hope that answers, I hope that answers your no, question. That, that's <laughs> so great. I just think it's so beautiful, the mm. independence that people get back and it just allows people to have the same capabilities that any other person with sight gets. Yeah. And just the confidence that must bring to so many people is just so awesome. So awesome. Yeah, but think and about it. Like the, the way people shopped before Bindi Maps was you had three options, right? One, get someone to go with you. Yeah. Two, call in advance and get one of their people to, you know, escort you throughout the throughout the shopping center if they have them on hand. Mm. And three, you don't go. Like they were your yeah. options. Yeah. But now you can just go whenever you want. You can yeah. get up and you can go to the shops and do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of where Bendy Maps is currently like available, um, what's like the goal for expansion there? That is a great question. <laughs> um, so when we started, um, we just thinking about Bindi Maps and the concept and what it can do. We we're like, okay, well, we're for everywhere. We're for we're for all indoor spaces that are publicly accessible, mm. which is true. Um, and then we tried that scattergun approach. We we're like, okay, so what are we going to do? Let's go everywhere, and that's that's what got us. You know, a commercial office building, a shopping center. You know, uh, we got a, uh, the office of Yarra Trams. We got universities. We got so many different places. But we noticed that. The biggest uptake was in shopping centers. So my focus shifted there. Mm. And then after a bit of research, we found that this problem is, the problem of wayfinding is faced in two key verticals. And, and those verticals are shopping centers and hospitals. Mm. Um, and now off the back of this hospital installation that we've got, we've got four other hospitals that have, that have come forward and they're like, okay, we need this, right? So what our plans are for, for development and growth um, in the shopping center vertical and, and, and with the large developers, we've been really establishing ourselves with the key lighthouse clients. Mm -hmm. So that's your Charter Hall, your Stockland, your ISPT, all the, all the big players that have portfolios of, you know, 40, 50 plus properties around, around Australia. And once we get there, we know that if they don't have, if they don't have a presence overseas, um, they would have some sort of ties, right? So that, so our plan for expansion in Australia is getting the lighthouse clients spread throughout their portfolios and then leverage that to expand overseas. Um, with hospitals, it's sort of a rolling effect. Once you start offering the service in you know, X amount of hospitals and once that becomes a standard, um, like now we're even doing things like putting QR codes on referral letters at hospitals. So as soon as you get the referral, you scan the QR code and it guides you straight to the room you're looking for. So you don't even need to think about it. And that reduces you know, downtime of physicians and you know, machines that are sitting there on idle because people can't find the room, appointments being rescheduled. So, so many costs are saved, right? Mm. And <clears throat> once that becomes a standard, once you get a referral letter for one hospital and they have been imaged, so you get another one for another and they don't, which one are you going to go to? Um, and, then, and then that's sort of going to be a roll-on effect for all, for the, all the other hospitals. Um, yeah. And commercial office buildings as well fall, fall under the shopping centre category. Yeah, awesome. It's such a domino effect, like the way everything affects something else. But 
Yeah, it's so touching, like learning about this. Like I've never truly like thought in depth about how you would physically navigate something that's so daunting, like a shopping center. Because even I, in my day-to-day life, we use the maps that the shopping centers provide. And I'm like, yeah. I still can't find they bloody stuff. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like that impact is just really inspiring. Like it's, yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah. And how much does it suck when you go to a shopping center and you use one of those interactive kiosks and then you get halfway to where you're going and you've forgotten where you need to go? And, yeah. and then there's no interactive kiosk for like yeah. me to me. Oh, you realize it's on a different level. So you've done the direction on the wrong floor and it's just, yeah, it's literally, yeah awesome. exactly. Um, yeah. So in terms of that, like accessibility space, I mean, you guys are doing amazing stuff. What else do you think needs to be done? And what do you think that we and other everyday people should be doing um, to improve accessibility for everyone? That's a great question. Um, and that could also be split up in several categories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to focus on, on, on what you can do and, and what else needs to be done. Yeah. So... There was some research done around um, how people who are blind or people with, with you know, all, of the, all differing abilities and their experience in, in going into shopping centres and, and, you know, buying things and things like that. And there was one key um, piece of information that stuck out. And that was when someone who is blind, this is, this is lived experience that we're talking about. When they walk into a shop, let's say they walk into, I don't know, JB Hi-Fi. They walk into JB Hi-Fi um, they said, and I'm not saying anything bad about JD Hi-Fi, I'm just using that as, as an example. Um, and, and they say, um, when they walk in, they can actually feel the people behind the counters ducking, moving away, hiding behind shelves, all these sorts of things. And mm. it's not because they're bad people. They're not bad people. They're not evil people. It's because they are removing themselves from situations where they don't know how to react. Yeah. And if I'm completely honest, I I was 150% guilty of this before I got into Bindi Maps. Um, I I never grew up um, with people with varying abilities. I had it, I wasn't from that world, and I had a lot of sympathy for people with with differing abilities, but I just didn't know how to react in those situations. I was. I actually had fear. I was scared whether, like, if, if I was to do something, whether I would offend them, whether I would hurt them, whether, you know, all these sorts of things. And it may have looked like the things that I did, if I moved away, if I did any of those things, it may have looked terrible, like, oh, you're an evil person, right? But I actually didn't, didn't know what I was doing. So I completely understand what these people are doing. Yeah. And what that is is just a lack of awareness. Um, and I think... What a lot, a lot of employers need to start doing is engaging these advocacy groups and, you know, Vision Australia and Guide Dogs and all these other places and actually providing training to their staff and putting them in real life situations where they have to, you know, speak with people who are blind or vision impaired or speak with people in wheelchairs or, you know, all sorts of people. And only after two or three times, they're going to find out that they're exactly the same as everyone else. Yeah. Um, there's absolutely nothing different. Yeah. There's nothing different. And it's a, it, it's hard to come to that understanding until you're put into those situations. Um, so I think what do we need to start doing to improve accessibility is educate ourselves. Yeah. Um, learn, learn Learn about the things you don't know. Um, don't focus. I'm guilty of this. Don't focus purely, purely on the things that are intellectual. <laughs> Put yourself out there and learn, learn about many other, many other issues around the world and, and, you know, things that you may be uncomfortable with. Yeah, definitely. I think like jumping out of your own experience and just like, considering the way everyone around you is like um, responding to a situation or things you can do to make life easier for other people too. I mean, even us, we were reflecting before, like, what are we doing? Like, we don't have closed captioning on our videos, like things like yeah. that. Um, for, yeah, things like that. It's just like everyone has like a little part to play. 
Definitely. But yeah. it's so hard it's so hard to stay on top of it. Like I actually yeah. got an email and this was recent. This was like a month ago. Yeah. I got an email because I've got in my in my email signature I've got the image with the Bindi Maps logo and little text and stuff. Yeah. And I sent someone an email and they replied and then at the end of their email they're like, PS your image isn't accessible. And I work in a company that is yeah. solely because yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, Oh crap, okay, I've got to go back and add that. Yeah. So no, definitely. I think it's like no one's gonna be perfect, yeah. but like just little incremental steps, like so much can change. It's just trial yeah. and error, really. Like where you notice that flaw, it's just like what are you gonna do about it? And yeah. if as long as you take the steps to make sure every time you do mess up or, or forget something, that you actually do work to to fix it and make it as accessible as you can. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And it's all that awareness piece, right? You just yeah. it's being self-aware, being aware of your surroundings and aware of what's going on, and and. Once it's in the forefront of your mind, like it's, you'll instinctively do things to change it and make it better. Exactly. I think that's what's so beautiful about Bindi Maps is you're thinking about a cause that's bigger than yourself and your daily life. It's putting yourself in a whole different set of shoes and really trying to live that other experience to try and make it as an enjoyable experience as possible and as equal as possible too. Yeah. Yeah, and when we started, when we started out with this company, we didn't really want to build an app that we thought was good for the blind and vision impaired community. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was we worked very closely with people who are blind in every step of the development process, um, just because for that reason we had no idea, right? Like before I joined the company, I had no idea what the use of those, you know, braille signs was if you couldn't find them and all these other things. So I think it's very crucial to also get get your target market on board when you're building your product too definitely i'd be so keen to hear um kind of about your story in getting to bindi maps i mean you mentioned that um prior to that you weren't particularly interested in learning (laughs) and education things like that um I, i think that i just love hearing about people that have awesome careers and who've done amazing things um and how they got this. I'd be so interested to know, um, like what was your experience like in uni um, and how did you get to where you are? Um, (laughs) 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 So, yeah, as I mentioned, I was never an academic. Um, Growing up, I had a lot of problem with authority. Um, I wasn't university bound from school. Um, I ended up failing my HSC completely. I got an asterisk. Because when I went in, I thought it was more interesting to draw smiley faces on the exams instead of actually with you. Um, so I ended up failing school. Um, I went to, after that, I took like a year off. Um, I was a bouncer around King's Cross, um, pretty much all the city. And I was doing that. And then a friend of mine that used to copy of me in high school when we were in like E9. Um, <laughs> And that was before work got hard, right? Year nine was like general knowledge. Um, he used to copy off me then, or year eight, I think it was. Anyway, um, I spoke to, I hadn't spoken to him in about a year and a bit, and I spoke to him and he goes, I'm just starting at UTS. I was like, what? I was like, how the hell did you get into UTS? <laughs> he used to copy off me. Hi. <laughs> yeah, and he, goes, and he goes, well, you know, I left school. Obviously, I didn't get the marks. It's like I left school and I went to TAFE and I did um, I did my advanced diploma and I got into uni. I was like, that's it. I was like, that's it. He goes, what do you mean that's it? Like, it's, it's hard. I'm like, it would have been, I go, it couldn't have been that hard. <laughs> he was like, no, it was. I was like, all right, which TAFE do you go? And he said, Petersham. I'm like, all right, I'm enrolling. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I did it just out of stubbornness, just to like, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I'm like, what course did you do? He goes, I did an advanced diploma in business. I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. <laughs> And then I, I enrolled in Petersham TAFE. I, I, I wanted to go to the exact same TAFE, exact same diploma, just so I can show that it's not that hard. Um, and I did that. I actually buckled down. I got like a distinction average. Awesome. And then I got into UTS. So I actually, before I applied, I asked him, I'm like, which uni did you go to? He goes, UTS. I'm like, what did you study? He goes, business, double major in accounting and marketing. I was like, cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, went to, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And it just sounded interesting, right? He made it, he made it sound awesome. Yeah. Um, so I went to uni. Um, I applied. UTS was my first preference. I got in. Uh, I'll still never forget. I was sitting there fishing when I got the text message. It was like 8 o'clock at night letting me know. It was super stoked. 
Um, so I got in, um, started going to class, and it took me a while to realize that. So you know when you go to, when when you start going somewhere new, you sit down and they're talking about shit that's way over your head. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and you're looking and you're looking around and people are like taking notes and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, so I must be the only idiot. <laughs> And it takes me a while to realize that people just fake it for the first few weeks because yeah. no one knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I was in that loop. Um, and then I spent, oh, I loved uni. I, I absolutely loved uni. Um, first year, I did great. I, I did great first year. And then second year, the marks sort of started to drop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I passed with like, I don't know, it was a pass average, I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, it, was, it wasn't until my second year, so I finished my second year and then I took six months off and I went overseas. I went, so my background is Serbian. Um, so I went to Serbia, uh, I pretty much based myself there and then I traveled around Europe, but I kept on coming back. Awesome. Um, so I'd go like two weeks, come back, two weeks, come back. And I saw how people were living there, right? Let me blow your mind for a second. <laughs> um, so like one of my best friends in Serbia, he, his mum would work at like a burger shop and so it was just like you know making burgers like a like a macca's on a small scale um and she would go to work at about 6 a.m and she'd come home at about 7 p.m right every day monday to saturday she'd have sundays off sometimes and at the end of the month so everyone there gets paid monthly um at the end of the month she would take home 200 euros wow 200 euros. Can you believe that? That's like 50 wow. hours of work a week. That's like 200. That's like a euro an hour. That's insane. Right. That's right. <laughs> and, um, and then I was like, how do you live? Like, and food's really not that cheap. It's pretty pricey. Yeah. Like just to eat and do your daily things. So people are really doing it tough. Um, and then that sort of made me like click. Cause before that, again, I was in uni, I was studying, I was, doing whatever the hell I was doing and um, I really had nothing that I wanted to do mm. uh, and there was not there was no drive like mm. there was absolutely no drive I just wanted to do my own thing um, and then when I, like when I saw that it was sort of like a kick in the ass saying okay look how much opportunity you have yeah. like look honestly Australia is the greatest country in the world I when agree. it comes to opportunity <laughs> When it comes to opportunity and making something of yourself, there is absolutely no better place on earth. We have it so easy. I completely agree. Like, people don't work here and they just hang out and they get paid, like, whatever it is. Even our minimum wage is insane. Like, you can get teenagers that earn more than teachers in the UK that have a degree behind them. And (laughs) you still earn more just working in McDonald's here. It's ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So that that sort of prodded me, right? I was like, okay, I can't waste this. Like I can't be total deadly. Yeah. Um, So I came back and so what actually happened before I left was I was sitting down in a park with one of my friends and we'll talk it like we're actually bored on a Wednesday night. And we're like, how cool would it be? I came up with an idea for an app. <clears throat> how cool would it be if we could have an app that you open it up, right? And you see like heads of all the people around that just want to hang out, right? So if you look at your Snapchat and you zoom out and you look at the map, it was that idea. Um, before Snapchat came out with it. Right? And, I didn't get it. and I didn't get royalties. <laughs> I told him that. I went overseas and, you know, I just said that whole part. And then I came back and I realized that he actually raised some money. He told me the idea was crap, but he raised some money, took my idea and started making it into a business. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that actually happened. And I had no idea about business. I was like, like the dumbest of the dumb at that point when it came to business and startups and innovation and yada yada. So I thought I just missed out on millions. I thought that was it. Like I could have been the next Mark Zuckerberg and I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Which definitely isn't the case. And at that time, I got an email from... UTS. Um, it was actually my spam folder and it was just by luck that I came across because I never opened my UTS email. Mm-hmm. And I came across it. It was, it said, um, innovation competition, win 20 grand or win 25 grand or whatever it was. I was like, what's innovation? It was like startups and stuff. I was like, it Easy. was like, come up with an idea, make a business plan and bring it to life. 
And what was awesome, it was like, we'll help you do that. Like, we'll, we'll provide people that will guide you through the process. And I was like, sick. <laughs> so, so I applied. Um, and then that was when I just started my, it was like end of my second year, beginning of third year, or, you know, wherever semesters crossover, however many subjects I left. And I went in and at that time I was working um, construction. And it was on a large infrastructure project. I can't say which one. Um, and it was 6, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., Monday to Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, and I was doing full-time uni and I was in that competition. So that competition ran over the weekends and usually I'd have to sleep. Like I'd go to, work, I'd go to uni on the Friday, straight to work Friday night because it was around the city. And then Saturday morning when I finished, I'd drive to, you know, do you guys know that car park um, at UTS, uh, like right across the ABC building? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd sleep on like level six in my car. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a grind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'd, I'd sleep there um, Saturday morning, brush my teeth in the car and everything, and then head out to that um, like the, the mentor sessions they had every Saturday. I did all that, and it was like only, it was after like the first one, the first session where it, so they had like a, a like a hot desking thing. You go around to each mentor. And it was the first one was like, tell us your idea. And I walked in and I, I came in with that idea. Right? I came in and told him about this awesome idea and it was going to be the next revolutionary <laughs> social media. And every single one of them turned around and looked at me and said, so what problem are you solving? I was like, what do you mean? Why do I, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's an awesome idea. They're like, okay, but what's the problem that you're solving? I'm like, oh, I don't know, but it's awesome. Like, yeah. And then very quickly I realized that it was rubbish um, <laughs> it was an absolute rubbish idea and then the next lesson they taught me about problem identification and then they taught us about so many other things right and then I had my eyes and ears open I used everything that they told me and I found a problem within the construction industry mm. and it turns out the problem was costing you know over four and a half five million dollars um, a year for construction projects and, and so forth and then I actually started putting a business plan around solving that problem. Um, and I came up with a two-sided marketplace for the construction industry where builders and contractors can hire subcontractors um, within close proximity quickly and easily. Wow. Uh, came up with that, made a business plan, and I pitched it. And I remember because it was like heaps of people. It was like over 70 people in this comp. And um, I've never won a competition before in my life. Like, what am mm. I going to win a comp for? <laughs> and, and I went in there and I remember getting selected as the top six. Wow. That was amazing. I told my dad, I told my family, told everyone I'm top six, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I told, I told them all that if I was to win this, I'm selling everything and I'm making this business. I had never run a business before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, I'm selling everything, I'm throwing all the money into this business and I'm bringing it to life. And my dad was like, look, just be happy you're in the top six. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't won just yet. <laughs> yeah, he was like, look, just be happy, right? Um, and I'm like, nah, nah, not happy until I get first. If I get first, I'm doing it. And then I ended up getting first wow. and I won that money. It was, I was, still remember it like it was yesterday. It was the best feeling ever. Um, and then I ended up selling everything and just starting the company and going for it. Um, and then, you know, I just learned so much along the way um going from not knowing what the word innovation went to you know where i where i am now it's pretty exciting um but another key thing that happened was i ended up um going through uts thank you uts um to the uh startup world cup um yeah so they they ended up paying for me to go so i was representing uts in australia and ended up winning for the ICT category. I was That's so, so insane. insane. Oh my God. Yeah, man. I was You must so have cool. up your mate who told you to get the tape degree. I got oh. easy. Oh, you could have seen the Facebook status. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, it wasn't coherent at all. It was just a bunch of numbers and letters and just saying, I won. It was, I was so stoked. And then I ended up coming back and that's how I met Anna. So wow. when I came back, UTS gave me an office space on, on level six, I think it was the accounting floor in the bag building. Um, and Anna and I met on, well, both, they asked me to judge a pitch competition. 
that's mm-hmm. like a, the pitching is a pitching and sales is what what I do. So they asked mm-hmm. me to judge the pitching competition, and Anna and I were sitting on a panel, um, and then so, so we sort of crossed paths in a hallway, chatted there, and then we sat on the panel, and then she was like, "Oh, I've got to start up." I was like, "Oh, cool, me too." And then we caught up for a coffee. And then, you know, that ties into, she told me what she, the problem she was solving and then we went from there. So, wow. there That's you go. So That's, awesome. <laughs> That's crazy how the, the, just the small little steps that you take can lead to that yeah. final big picture and how you said going into that TAFE degree, you had no idea what you wanted to do and things just really yeah. came to you. 100%. I think you mentioned, I mean, like the opportunity we have, um, like in Australia, especially, I mean, and, um actually like grasping onto those opportunities like mm. no one like made you do that startup competition like no one nah. made you go to tape even mm. though you <laughs> were encouraged by a friend like that was mm. like some like internal discipline and like that like hustler attitude which yeah. it's awesome i, it's so I cool always think um that's just like another thing about uni is you've got your degree which is great you're ticking off those boxes but there's yeah. so much that uni provides it's just so it's so good to look out for those different things because all those competitions and everything you just don't know where that could lead you exactly right as you said that I'm like thinking about all the spam (laughs) email that I'm like not acknowledging (laughs) (laughs) yeah so with uni I think when someone asked me what is the greatest thing about uni and what's the best thing that you got out of it like what's the thing you learned um for me networks yeah it was networks. Um, I don't. If I hadn't gone to uni, there is absolutely no way that I would be where I am right now. I didn't learn much, but that was just because of me. Like yeah, I didn't yeah. really focus much on my studies. Yeah. Um, but the networks, the people you meet, um, and what a lot of people don't realize, and this, like, I highly recommend you change your mindset around this, is people see their lecturers and their tutors as robots. They just see them as these people that deliver content and they just mark your work and off you go. Mm-hmm. But once I got up onto that, like into that office space with all the other lecturers and all these sorts of things, do you know how awesome some of them are? Oh, like, right. <laughs> they've, got, they've got such awesome lives outside of uni and like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's just so many awesome memories with those people. So yeah, just remember their people. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. That's so awesome. Definitely gonna be hunting down some lectures. <laughs> they help so much. Yeah. Like they, do you know how many times I lent on the faculty staff at UTS when I started my business? Like, I needed yeah. contracts done. Like, I'd reach out to the law faculty and just go see the professors there. That's I needed something. Else. I needed marketing done. Right. I'd reach out to the marketing faculty. I'll go speak to one of the professors, and yeah. like they literally set aside an hour. Like one of these professors called me into his office. And I went in there, never met this guy in my life, like just random guy. I, I walked in there, he pulled out like this awesome Chinese tea set. <laughs> <laughs> and he sat down, he had these little stools in his office. He put this tea set and he went, boiled water, sat down, we had tea and we spoke about law and contracts and all these sorts of things. I've never <laughs> met this guy. So awesome. The strangest and most awesome experience ever. <laughs> Gosh. I wonder if that's our ethics shoot. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, no, definitely. Would you? Um, I mean, I feel like there's such a big debate about university. Like, should I go? Should I not go? Um, and like a lot of emphasis on like um, pursue what you love, things like that, which so agree with. But in terms of, I mean, you spoke of the value of university for you, even though it wasn't necessarily like X Y Z what you were like meant to learn from like. Um, syllabus or whatever um like would you recommend young people go to university i would say weigh up your pros and cons weigh up your opportunity cost um because i know some of my friends that finished year 12 didn't go to uni went decided to pursue a trade and are like some of the most intelligent wealthiest Mm. people i know Yeah. yeah um what I would say is if you're going to finish school and you're going to go get a job at a retail job or a Macca's job or, you know, something that's not a career, um, because you don't know what you want to do, I don't think that's the right option. Mm. Yeah. I think if you don't know what you're going to, what you want to do mm. and you have the means, the time and the support to go to university, go to university. Mm. Like, yeah. 
if you don't want to focus too much on, if you don't want to pick a discipline, if you don't want to go down that path, that's fine. Do some other degree, meet people, talk to people. You'll figure it out as you go. Right? It, although I'm not, what I'm not for is I'm not for you going to university because you, someone's put pressure on you or yeah. you think it's the right thing to do, yeah. but you would rather do something else. No, yeah. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not a supporter yeah. of that. What I'm a, Go to university if you want to pursue that the path of academia, if you want to get a degree, or if you don't know what you want to do. Mm. If there's something else that you want to do and something you want to dedicate your time to, by all means, do that. Um, but, of course, there are other considerations that go into that, right? Like there's always a balance between, you know, career, wealth, happiness, and so many other, other things um, that you may not be able to get uh, initially. And things take time, right? Like people build their careers, um, people... It, it takes time for people to get to a place where where they're able to have that sort of freedom um, to to do what they want. And I'm not even there yet. Like yeah. it, that takes a while. Um, yeah. I'm just really stoked for that time to come. To be honest, <laughs> I, I think it's such an individual thing as well with university. Like it's it's just very much like where you are, where your interests lie. Like you can go to university at any age as well. So it might yeah. not be straight after high school. Like I know I needed a gap year because I just needed to grow up a bit and see the world before I started studying. And I think yeah, it's just such. I think people need to have enough faith to know that whatever decision they make, they're making the best one for themselves and their direction. And if you do feel directionless, then you should really consider, like, will I meet great people here? Because mm. I think people forget that uni is such a social thing as well. You're going to meet so many yeah. great people and hear what they want to do. And it's very much like, oh, that sounds really awesome. I might look into that. Yeah. So, yeah. There's nothing like being around, like, motivated, inspiring, like, oh, people, yeah. young people that are just, like, G'd about life. Like, yeah. even, <laughs> yeah, having friends like that and talking to people. Definitely. Constantly feeling like the dumbest in the room is like the best. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really awesome, right? I mean, just immersing yourself in everything uni has to offer, even if it's just getting out of bed and going to the city every day. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're still yeah. around the professionals. You see people walking around in suits and, you know, there's ideas all over the place. So I think yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. We were having this chat yesterday, actually. So many, I feel like so many people hate <clears throat> cities and, like, the, like, buzz of it. But we, like... We were just like, I love it. It's so yeah. like motivating, like that, like hardworking, like yeah, yeah. I love certain cities. <laughs> certain cities, yeah. 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 Sydney, like especially that little bubble around, like um, where the old train tracks were, going down towards the yeah, building the, eight, like that little sound. area there, and like around the library and all those places. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, like I love that place. That's awesome. It's so beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> but there are some places we suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just lucky. Yeah. bubble area. Before we start to like head in the direction of wrapping up, um, what would be like your like main advice for people, um, like young people wanting to do cool things, wanting to get into social entrepreneurship, things like that? Um, few things. Uh, so I speak to a lot of people um, that have ideas and that have these problems that they want to solve. Um, and there's a few things that I can say on that. The first thing is they always come to you in secrecy. Um, they always come to you whispering the idea, not putting it out there, um, all these sorts of things. My advice there is that's the wrong approach. Um, get out there, get feedback. And I know it's hard because a lot of people are like, it's not perfect, they can't, like it's not, it's not ready. And it's like a baby, right? It's mm -hmm. their own baby. They don't want to put it out into the world. It might get hurt, right? So <laughs> just put it out there, get some feedback. It's a learning curve and you, you, you're going to learn the most once you start getting feedback from people. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's one thing. <clears throat> Another thing is just do it. Like yeah. hurry up. Nike. Just dive in. Don't do too much planning. And I get a lot of people saying, like, you know, I don't have the credentials. I don't have the knowledge. You know, there's so many other better people and yada, yada, yada. Just do it. Like, yeah. you, you build it up over time. You build up your following. You build up a customer base. Whatever it is, like, you build it up over time. Just get out there and, and, and get it done. And this third one, um, I said it. When was it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago when, when, when we got an award, they asked what's, what's one piece of advice. <clears throat> and I realized I didn't put context around it because I got laughed at. 
<laughs> so, <clears throat> so now I actually have a bit of time to put context around it. And so what I said was, everything's going to be okay, right? And I didn't realize when you say that, it sounds like you're talking to your child and they're stressing out about an exam. You're like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That's what it sounds like, right? But <laughs> so that was, that was the advice that was given to me from someone. Um, it was actually a very successful business person in, in Serbia. And I asked him, you know, what's the advice? And that, that's what he told me. And the, the backstory behind that is there are going to be so many times where you're absolutely hating yourself because you got terrible feedback from someone. You know, one of, one of your customers turned around and, and complained. Um, the product's not working out as, as it's meant to. Um, you know, you're pretty much alone, right? Like you, you don't have anyone to lean on. Um, you have no idea what you're doing. Like you have absolutely no clue where to turn next. And I think it's really important that we don't just, especially when people ask, you know, what's, what's the advice you have? We don't just focus on how to get across, you know, how to implement strategies and how to do all these sorts of things. I think mental health is a very big part of it. Mm. Um, and just taking the time to acknowledge yourself, putting in the effort and knowing that these things pass. Yeah. So all the negative things that are happening and all the tough times, they're going to pass. But then all of the awesome times that happen and all of the great things that happen, they're going to pass too, mm. right? So everything comes in phases, everything comes in waves and just know that everything's going to be okay at the end of it. Because mm. no matter all the scary decisions, you know, the first time you liked someone in school and the world <laughs> was going to be over if you didn't, you know, get a kiss on the cheek, <laughs> everything's going to be okay. You get from that all the way up to huge business decisions. They're going to pass. You're going to come out on the other side. Everything's going to be okay. So that's, I think that's another key piece of advice. Yeah, I love that. And now I can actually explain myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, that's awesome. In like business and life, it's like such a transferable, like, yeah, uh, skill to recognize that. Yeah. Hmm. That was such a great chat. I feel so inspired to go look into more social impact stuff and stuff that hasn't even crossed my world or path yet. Honestly, thank you. You've got my brain working. Uh, <laughs> hearing perspective on stuff as well. It was super, super cool. Awesome. I love that you're a UTS advocate as well, like us, because yeah. we love UTS. We are UTS's biggest fans. Right? Like, such a good, so good That was such an amazing chat. That I was, loved that one. Honestly, was, so impactful. It was like, awesome. Some things just really hit me in a different different way. What an awesome guy. Yeah. It's so young. We just had a chat after we ended that and then... He graduated in 2018. He's yeah. like two years out. The, the thing that really inspired me, because I know that, and we've said this a lot of our episodes, we, we're kind of coming in from a perspective where we're both quite academic. We like reading, we like learning, and that stuff has really come quite naturally to us. So speaking to someone who really struggled academically, didn't like the HSC, like got an asterisk, then was being a bouncer and he was yeah. saw what his mate was doing and goes, yeah, like I want to do something like that and elevate my life. And so he went to TAFE and got into uni and took like that kind of non-conventional path yeah and just from there like just hearing about innovation and just wanting to try things like he's got a very good confidence in himself because it requires that and that's something that he did say really builds that up and it's something i think is so important so i think that was really amazing yeah 100 percent. and in that whole story there was like not an inch of like complacency like he was a hustler like he knew what he wanted and just well not even but just went out anyways like yeah did did Yeah. yeah i like his drive just to try things because exactly. I think you only those opportunities like something like Bindi Maps is only going to come when you just put yourself out there into different situations exactly and I also like how the perspective on uni is like you there's different types of people and people go to uni for different reasons some mm. people have a very straight path and that they're, they're going through the steps to learn the information to get their end job and then for other people who are quite lost and don't actually know what they want to do outside of uni it's such a great place just to meet people and speak to lecturers and 100%. and really navigate yourself and, and build yourself up through that. Exactly. I mean, like for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do yeah. going to uni. Like, but I still don't. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, yeah, that was sick though. And also just hearing about his attitude throughout uni, like sleeping in his car. Like oh I complain gosh. about being busy to you all the time. Like yeah. I feel so stupid when he now. said that. I was literally about to squeeze your leg and be like, we need to stop complaining about being tired and, and get our I have study like a few, done. I have a few 12 hour days and I cry. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I, he must have been getting like three hours of sleep at that point. 
That's insane. But like, look where it led him. Like, I always yeah. Like, obviously, hustle mentality is very deadly. But if you have something that you really just want to yeah. do and you know it's a short term hustle, like, like look where it got him. I think it's very worth it just to really push yourself sometimes yeah. to not be complacent and and really go for it. That was so good. I want him back. I loved it. I'm I was so deep. I'm like, come back. That was so beautiful. I really, oh, I really hope awesome. um, you guys stuck through that whole episode because I think there was this just some really impactful things. It was such a fun app. And like we mentioned yeah. um, at the start of this app, we're so keen to get um, hips into the podcast over summer <laughs> and um, get really cool guests on. Yeah. Yeah. And we're definitely going to take his advice and go and speak to some uni people. And, yeah. Oh my God. And see where that can lead. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, thanks so much, guys. Have a lovely week. Yeah. Hope you enjoy your Monday. And, and we'll see you we'll, next Monday. We'll see you on the flip side. Yeah. Take care. Bye.